we are on a mission to help lawyers and law firm owners maximize wealth and achieve financial independence. Welcome to The Lawyer Millionaire with Darren Words from Words Financial Services. In this podcast, we will help you build wealth, minimize your taxes, and plan for retirement with money management strategies designed for the legal profession. Join us in this journey where we help you manage your money so you can make the most of your future. Start feeling confident in knowing you are well prepared for retirement and on track to financial independence. Now on to the show. Attorneys and law firm owners are already busy people. Throw in gift shopping, holiday parties, and time away from work, and this time of year can really be very stressful. How do you manage stress and stay healthy during the holidays? Well, here to give us some tips is Jerry Scarlato, owner of Thriveology and an expert when it comes to health and fitness. Welcome to the show, Jerry. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, yeah. Very exciting. It's a little bit different from our usual topics of money, but a great topic for a lot of folks. So we're glad you're here. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about your business, Thriveology, and what exactly you do? Sure. So I'll give you the short story of how we got to where we are. I started at a place called Body Dynamics in Alexandria. My brother-in-law owned it at the time. That was 2000. Shoot, I was still in college, so six, seven, something to that effect. Trained there for maybe five years, moved out in, I don't know, 2013 to a building. We called that business Thrive Fitness. We moved out of that building in 2017 to this building and wanted to trademark the name. And Thrive Fitness was already trademarked. So we wanted to change the name, obviously, or what to change the name. And Thrivology, just I don't how I don't know how we fumbled on it, but uh, what we do here, um, obviously, it's wrapped around fitness, but we try to encompass a lot more than that. So we said, okay, this name Thrivology seems to make sense because even though it's not a word, um, but because we do a lot more than that, we are hoping to encompass the whole being, if you will. So we have like four pillars of health and fitness that we focus on. Movement is one. We do that obviously through exercise here, but there's so much more to movement than just exercise. Nourishment is another. So we do nutrition coaching here on a couple of different levels, some individual coaching, some group coaching. Recovery is another one. So we teach people about sleeping better and just getting your body recovered and all that good stuff. And then mindset, man. Mindset is a big, big one when it comes to just improving your health. I think I think most of us stop ourselves because of our mindset, because changing who you believe you are is hard. Okay, very cool. So you guys kind of encompass the whole everything from fitness to health to mindset, as you mentioned. So what would we call you? Would we call you a personal trainer or what uh, What would be your title, I guess? So here we just call ourselves fitness coaches. Okay. Most of our, like all of our coaches out on the floor, they're fitness coaches. And then we have a, we call her our chief accountability officer. She's our nutritionist. That's Trevis. That's who you know, chief accountability officer. Because when it comes to nutrition, what you're really talking about is holding people accountable to the changes that they're trying to make. So what we do, what we call ourselves is just a boutique fitness facility. Because what gets people in the door, we understand is exercise. They come here and it's a big, it's a gym. We have turf, we have 
kettlebells, we have barbells and dumbbells. So that's what gets people here. And then we have to start implementing and poking at those smaller parts because you got to start somewhere. And if you think about trying to change your whole body, your whole mindset, your whole life, all of a sudden, it's just very overwhelming. So people come here for exercise. Once they're here, then we can start to say, hey, how do you do in this part of your life? And how do you do in that part of your life? And so on and so forth. So it's a long-term conversation, really. That's kind of what we're shooting for, but uh, it's worth it if we can be patient with ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. Now, um, Jerry, did you always know that you wanted to be a personal trainer or a fitness coach or how did that journey unfold for you? Another accident, I guess I would say. When I was in college, I knew I wanted to own a business. I was pretty sure because that's what my dad did. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Sure, let's do it. My degree is in finance, not in not in kinesiology or anything to that degree. Anything that I've done there, I've done through self-education. So degrees in finance and my minor is in accounting. So I'm like, okay, I know I want to own a business. My brother-in-law bought the gym here in Alexandria. And so I started working there during college to make some money, so on and so forth. Started training people. And I'm like, well, this is fun. I've been in a weight room myself since I was 12 or 13, back in whatever, seventh grade during 60-minute training for football or whatever it was. So I've always been in the weight room. I've always enjoyed it. I don't think I've been out of the weight room for more than, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks at a time in my whole since then. So once I started training people and seeing the impact it was having on their lives, then it was was just kind of like one thing led to another. More people started asking for help. And once I got to enough people, I'm like, well, here's the opportunity to take the steps. So that's when Thrive Fitness came to fruition and then started bringing on more coaches. And then that's when we moved here. So a little bit of an accident, but take it. Yeah, that's very cool. A degree in finance. What do you know? Right. <laughs> you know, cool. obviously being in business, it's helped. It's very helpful. But oh, for sure. But all of our members, you know, all of our members ask, you know, do you have a is it kinesiology is kind of the most prevalent? There's exercise science, there's however many. And I'm like, no, I got a finance degree. What do you do with do with this? I'm like, oh, self-education. Like at a certain point I went out and knew what I wanted to. I knew how to, I need to start learning how to help people. So plus you need, you know, obviously the certification, my certification is certified strength conditioning specialist, which is very specific and very decently high level as far as certifications go. So it takes a, takes an amount of education to get, to be able to pass something like that. Well, let's get down to some of these, uh, some of this stuff we're dealing with here with the holidays and everything. It's a busy time for a lot of folks. How exactly do you help people or what advice do you give people on maintaining a consistent exercise routine during busy or hectic times? And I'm sure this could apply to all sorts of times. I mean, all of us want to be consistent with our exercise routines. So I believe that a lot of people think in absolutes. And when it comes to health and fitness, especially thinking in absolutes is very dangerous, meaning if my belief in what perfect exercise is three days a week, 60 minutes, a workout, and I can't do that, then I can't do anything. 
So that's like an absolute thought, right? Well, when it comes to exercise and movement or nutrition or health and anything, it is any, all of it and any of it counts. So when your life changes during this time, the next two or three months, and all of a sudden it's hectic and you're running around, you get all kinds of things going on. And you're used to going to the gym three days a week for 60, 90 minutes at a time. And all of a sudden you can't fit that in. Well, you got to adjust it. You just got to change. You got to go, okay, well, three days a week isn't working. Maybe I make it two days a week and maybe it's only 30 to 40 minutes at a time because it all counts. It all counts. So I think, again, shifting the mindset from absolute, either I can't do it, I have to do it perfect or I can't do it at all is important. And then figuring out what can I fit in? What can I do? What is, if, if it's not a yes, if it's not a definitive yes, then shit, bring it down, make it a little bit smaller until it is a yes. So we use a scale here. On a scale of zero to 10, how confident are you that you can do this new habit, do this new thing? And if you're not an, at least an eight, then you need to make it smaller. So if you're trying to exercise and during the holidays, three days a week, you're at a like three, then you need to make it smaller two days a week. How do you feel about that? Well, now I'm at a seven or an eight. Okay. Well, now you can actually do it because if you don't believe you can do it, then you're not going to put the effort into it anyway. So, um, all of that boiled down to the idea is simply how do you shrink it small enough to say, okay, I can make this consistent and don't fool yourself into thinking that it has to be perfect. Hmm. That's good advice. So just kind of, you know, don't beat yourself up if you can't do it perfectly <laughs> and uh, start somewhere with something, right? Start somewhere with something. And yeah, perfect is just, it's not going to happen. We're all human beings. I, there's a saying, I can't remember it exactly, but basically like the condition of being a human being is that we are imperfect. And yet we want to believe that when we make changes in our lives, that they have to either be perfect or not at all. Just, it's just most of the time it's not going to happen. We're going to slip up. Something's going to happen, but you can make the decision the next time, the very next second to start again. So like, let's say cheat meals, for instance, right? There's going to be lots of parties, ha parties happening for the next three months, lots of parties. And so maybe someone invites you to a party on like a Thursday, which is like a weird day. But let's say that happens and you go to the party and you drink and you eat a lot of cake or whatever. And you go, well, now that I've done that, I might as well not try and eat healthy the rest of the weekend or the rest of the week. And I'm just going <laughs> to let it go. And I'll start back on Monday. That's usually the conversation, right? But all of that time between Thursday and Monday counts. It all counts. It all counts. So just starting the next morning with like, okay, get back to my routine, eat something good for the morning. And then Saturday, if something else happens, then so be it. Something else happens. You go to a party and let it be. But then Sunday, get back on it. So it's all mental tricks sometimes, but they all work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
you know, I've been there. <laughs> you eat, you, uh, you eat real bad and then you're like, okay, I'm just going to throw in the towel, you know, <laughs> just, but as you're describing some of these things, I can't help but draw a lot of parallels to the financial world. The same kind of thing when I'm talking with clients about saving for, uh, yeah, there's an ideal amount we want to start with. You need to be saving X amount of dollars, you know, a month just to get on track for retirement. But I'll encourage people like, okay, let's start somewhere. You know, maybe you can't start right there, right away, but Maybe we can start a little bit somewhere smaller that's more comfortable and work our way up to that. So that's very interesting. Um, another parallel, you know, often told people the basics work, you know, and that applies to fitness. It applies to uh, investing as well. That, that, so that's, that's pretty cool. Now, as we're in this holiday season, what are some things that are going to impact our ability to stay on track with our health goals and uh, what can we do about it? Ooh, some things that are going to impact your ability to stay to stay on track. Let's see. So parties, of course, is a big one. We've kind of covered that realm a little bit. Just think about their actions that are going to happen during the party or planning on how you're going to attack your eating and drinking at the party, if you will. So if you are a person who likes to drink alcohol or, and or you're a person who likes to eat food. I, I love food very much. I don't like alcohol as much. So my choice is always, I'm going for the food. I'm going for desserts. I love sweets, brownies, and ice cream. If you know me as a person, brownies and ice cream, I can, I can kill ice cream with the best of them. But at any rate, going back to the party. So if you're going to a party, make a choice. Are you going to enjoy and indulge in the alcohol or are you going to enjoy and indulge in the food. You can have a little bit of both, but if you go hard on both, you're going to have a much harder time sustaining any level of, I'll say, balance during the holidays. I don't think no one's losing weight. I don't want to say no one. Most people are not losing weight during the holidays. So what you're looking for is balance. How do you maintain during the holidays, which is fine because most people put on weight. The average person, I forget the exact statistics, the average person puts on like three to five pounds during the holidays. They don't usually put it on during um, during the year, but they don't lose it. So they put on three to five pounds in the holidays. They come back around to the next holiday, still have that same weight, and then another three to five pounds. So if you do that over the course of 10 years, that's 30 to 50 pounds mm. if you're not losing the weight in between. So if you can maintain during the holidays, then you're in good shape. So choices. Do I want to drink more alcohol, fine, do that, but then lower your food consumption. Or do I want to eat more food? Good, do that, but then lower your alcohol consumption. Because when you put them both at the same time, your body's in conflict and your body's like, well, I got to store one of these as fat and it's going to process the alcohol first. And if you're drinking a lot of alcohol, that means all of that leftover food, not all of it, but a lot of that, those leftover calories are getting stored. So choices. Go in yeah, with an so idea. Let's talk a little bit more about the alcohol component. I mean, are, are there, that's something that we don't really think about a whole lot when we're going to our holiday parties and such, you know, the calories that are there. Uh, how significant is that? So probably much more significant than most of us would tend to want to believe. So even a beer, you think about a beer, like even a light beer, whatever they're, 50 to 70 calories is my guess. I'm not 100% certain. 
but like those really thick beers, can you imagine? I don't know. They got to be 150 to 200 calories per bottle or whatever they come in. That's that goes to show my ignorance in alcohol as I'm saying you're <laughs> talking out loud but even like vodkas and things like that like most people put something with their drink it's either vodka and Sprite or Bacardi and Coke or whatever it is right so you start adding that up and it counts but here's the tricky part so alcohol is a toxin to your body and when you put a toxin in your body your body wants to get rid of that first before anything else so disregarding the calories themselves, if you ingest alcohol and at the same time you're eating lots of food, your body's trying to get rid of the alcohol. So it's all sifting through your liver and that's what your body's trying to process. And it's not paying attention to all of the cake and other good high carb, usually stuff that you're eating with the alcohol. So again, that has to do something. It has to go somewhere and it usually, usually almost always gets stored in the body as fat. So that's the tricky part. And that's where people get in trouble. So that's why making the choice, do I want to have more alcohol or do I want to have more food or just a little bit of both? And that's okay too. But if you have lots of both, body's going to process the alcohol because it's a toxin and it's trying to get it out and it's got to put the food somewhere. So it's going to store it. So that's where we get in trouble. So that's what people don't think of as much is body sees that alcohol and it goes toxin. I got to get this out of my body. I got to get this out, but I also have to do something with all this other stuff you're shuttling in too. Interesting. So that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I never really thought about it that way. Uh, so do you have recommendations as far as like best or worst drinks or dessert choices to be aware of during the holidays? Certainly. So we could start with drinks. Like I said, I'm mostly a little more inept about this than maybe I should be. Um, not personally, I guess, but I should be able to talk about it a little better, but I think I can. So I know we actually did a video on quality alcohol levels. Does that statement make sense? On quality types of alcohol that makes more sense and if i remember correctly just based on like the mineral because some alcohol does have like some mineral availability and this that and the other thing like wine i think for a while their wine was like and and it's still back up before I get myself in trouble. Wine, wine's healthy for you. And if you drink it, because it has resveratrol, which has been, link been linked to longevity. So if you drink it, you're going to live longer and blah, blah, blah. So I don't want to say like drink something because it has vitamins and minerals in it. And yet some alcohol has vitamins and minerals in it, which is good. And then some alcohol is a little easier to process for your body, which is also good. So I, I want to say it was, it is tequila, which is ironic because tequila is like, the hardest and hardest to drink and just ravaging feeling. Um, but maybe that's why it's, it's one of the best because you can only drink so much or I don't know, unless you, of course you mix it with <laughs> orange juice and then you get in big time trouble. I say that as a college making stupid college decisions back in the day. So I can understand that. So if you can have a spirit or a bourbon or something like that, the straighter you can get it, usually the better, because as long as you're not adding stuff to it, that's what you're looking at. 
don't add a bunch of stuff to it. And the, the least amount of stuff you can add, the better off you're going to be. So when it comes to alcohol, that's really what it comes down to. The least amount of stuff you add, the better off it's going to be. If you can add in some lemon or some lime, it's actually going to be better because lemon and lime have compounds in it that clean your liver. So in a, some sense, at least it's going to like help your body process it while you're drinking it. So that would be helpful. Okay. Yeah. When it comes to the dessert or food in general, generally speaking, the closer you can get to homemade, the better. So in other words, hmm. if there's a cake there, if you have two cakes to choose from, I'll say brownies because brownies are one of my weaknesses. So if you have two brownies to choose from, one brownie is from someone bought from Kroger and their little Debbie brownies or something like that. And another one, someone made from home with their own baking goods, choose the homemade one because you know what's in that. That's homemade stuff. It's not, it wasn't processed in a plant. They didn't add preservatives to it. They didn't add a whole nother layer of stuff that your body doesn't need. This one was made from home. It's, it's closer to hold food than this one. So any time that you can make a choice closer to being homemade is going to be a smarter choice. Yeah, that's that's good advice. No, I want to get on to the stress side of things. You know, a lot of our listeners own their own businesses as you do. And, you know, you're familiar with this. Taking time off can actually be more stressful. <laughs> uh, so what do you have in terms of recommendations for how folks can manage their stress around the holiday season? So I believe that stress gets a bad name. So we talk a lot about managing stress and reducing stress and so on and so forth, which to a certain degree is definitely 100% important. And yet, when it comes to any type of improvement anywhere in life, stress needs to happen. When you're talking about improving your health and you get in the weight room, when you lift weights, you're stressing the body. And then it, it rebuilds itself and improves. With that said, psychological stress is very similar. If you have too much of it, it's overwhelming, you feel anxious, you're worked up, and it's not good for the body. It has lots of negative health effects. On the other end of that, a level of psychological stress and a positive relationship with that psychological stress is shown to help you be able to move through obstacles better. So one, I say simple, not easy, but simple strategy is learning to change your relationship with stress. Instead of looking at everything that happens to you that feels stressful as a bad, bad, as something that's bad, look at it as, okay, this stress is going to help me in some way, shape or form. It's going to help me be able to get to the other side of this and maybe get a little bit mentally stronger or maybe be a little bit more patient with myself or maybe be a little bit more patient with others. So slowly shifting the mindset from stress is harmful to stress is helpful. Very challenging, very daily, needs to happen daily, hourly, and sometimes at a minute level being patient with yourself. So that's important. And then controlling the controllables, I think is also important. 
We tend to believe that we can control more than we can, but there are two parts of our day that most of us have more control over, and that's the beginning and the end, right? So the beginning of the day, most of us, not everybody, but at the beginning of the day, we can have some sort of control. So if you can start your day with control, control's a, I don't really like the word sometimes, but at the same time, that's what we all kind of want. If you can start your day with control, then generally it can flow into the rest of the day and you can feel more comfortable. Sometimes that means getting up earlier, which a lot of people don't like to hear. But if you want to have a good rest of the day, it's worth sacrificing 30 minutes of sleep, which I can maybe get into that later, but it's worth sacrificing maybe 30 minutes of sleep to get up, sit in a quiet room. If you're a coffee drinker, like I am, um, grab yourself a nice cup of coffee, sit there, plan your day out, read for a little bit, journal for a little bit, whatever that looks like to you and set that precedent every day. And if you can feel like you can get your day started under control, most of the time that can flow more easily into the day and help you feel more under control and less stressed and anxious for the rest of the day. Well, that's very interesting. I, I can definitely see where that would that would help. I, those days where I've just gotten up out of bed and had to go straight to work or been late for a meeting. Yeah, that does have a big impact on the rest of the day for sure. So, you know, we're also coming up here on New Year's and we've got those famous New Year's resolutions that everyone's going to be starting. And usually those are about starting some kind of exercise routine or losing weight. A lot of people don't last, of course. What advice do you have on getting started on a new exercise routine or health routine that can help us be successful in the new year? So the statistic is, sorry, I throw these out periodically. Also, 80% of statistics are made up off the top of the, <laughs> off the you know, as soon as they say sure, it, sure. which doesn't bode well for what I'm about to say. But nonetheless, I think it's like by February, the, by mid-February, like 80% of people have given up on their New Year's resolutions. Maybe it's 90%. So that's, that's a big number. So you go, okay. How do you make that more sustainable? How do you figure out how to, how to make it so that number just shrinks a little bit? And uh, first, I think one important thing is to realize that every day is a good opportunity to start. Starting is the hardest thing. The second hardest is keep going, right? But starting is the hardest. And I think if we tell ourselves, January 1st, I'm going to start, but I'm just going to go crazy between now and then that's you're already kind of setting yourself back right like we talked about that binging kind of thing most people put on the weight during the holidays and then they don't take it off over the course of the next year so starting to lay some foundational things between if you want to like jump in on january 1st fine but start to lay some foundation like okay now i'm going to start doing at least this maybe i'll start having a better breakfast, or maybe I'll start getting up and I'll go for a walk every morning or something to that effect. Start laying the foundation. And then when you do start, again, don't think all or nothing. Nothing is absolute. Figure out where that level is that you are certain that you can do. Where can I start? And then work up to that perfect that you feel is in your mind. So 
January 1st, most people can jump right in to three days a week and go and work hard at the gym for an hour, two hours. One month later, that motivation just plummets and it's gone. So you have to realize that is a hundred percent. It's, it's your, it's dopamine actually that's pushing you to do that. And it's, it's a hundred percent biology that is driving you to do that. So you have to realize that bring yourself down a notch and go, okay, what can I actually do? What can I actually do for the next two months? And then I can reevaluate and go, okay, I've done that. I've checked it off the list. I'm slowly becoming this person. I believe I can be reevaluate and go, okay, I think I'm ready for another day or I'm ready for an extra 15 minutes or I'm ready for, I don't know, to try eating better, whatever that next step is. And then, and this is maybe just a shameless plug. I'm not going to say just for us, but most people need help, not because we're inept and we don't have the abilities to figure out how to work out because, I mean, it's relatively simple going to YouTube and figure out how to lift weights. I mean, it's pretty simple to figure it out. And yet it's intimidating, number one. And, you know, it can be challenging to get into a routine. And when you feel like you have to learn how to work out and I don't know how to do things correctly and so on and so forth, it's just another mental barrier. So I would not overlook finding help somewhere. And maybe it's a friend. The, it, the, just having somebody else there to be with you regularly is very important. Having a workout partner, it, it can be that simple. But just having someone to support you and hold you accountable or another layer is a professional to actually build something for you and they're holding you accountable. Absolutely. Yeah, that sounds absolutely great advice to be accountable. Make sure you treat every day like it's an, a new beginning. So thanks for sharing, Jerry. We're at the end of our time here. But if folks are looking for a professional to work with, how can they learn more about you? Yeah, so you can find us. Our website is Thrivology, T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y dot U-S. You can find us on Facebook. I think it's facebook.com backslash the Thrive Pack. You can also just type in Thrivology on Facebook. I think we're only one of maybe a few other ones. So... Yeah, you can find us there. You can easily, you can come in and set up a strategy session with us. We'll talk to you about how we can kind of get you up and running. But taking any step to find someone to help you, I think is going to be a big strategy. I'm sure you have found that in your own business. But um, nonetheless, I appreciate the opportunity most definitely. This was awesome. Great talking to you, talking to you today, Darren. Yeah, thanks for coming, Jerry. And do you work with clients remotely as well? We're actually building that now. We launched our own app last month, which has been a whole nother uh, conversation. But um, nonetheless, we did that last month. And hopefully in January, we are launching some virtual things also. But you can get it on our mailing list on the website. And we can, we'll keep everybody on our mailing list up to date on that. Oh, very cool. Well, I, I look forward to hearing more about that. And uh, this has been a little bit of a deviation from the financial topics we normally do. But if you want to learn more about The Lawyer Millionaire, the book or the podcast, just head on over to thelawyermillionaire.com. And if you want to check in with me on your 
New Year's goals in terms of your finance, there is a, a link there to our calendar. You can schedule a meeting with me to get started on your New Year's resolutions for your financial goals as well. Thank you for listening to The Lawyer Millionaire. Click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not intended to represent investing or tax advice. Always seek the advice of a qualified investment or tax advisor with any questions you may have regarding your own financial circumstances.